interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello humans, it's Rob here with Not A Robot Podcast, DC Comics Review Show number 96. I believe I got that right, number 96. The world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes, and with me, as always, is Josh. Hello, humans. And joining us this week is Nathan. I'm back! (laughs) Brandon is off being a (laughs) hard-traveling hero this week, so if you see him on the road, be sure to get an autograph, because someday that'll be worth the same as a CGC 9.8 Amazing Spider-Man number 300. Sure. That's a lot of money. You can pretend that's true. (laughs) <laughs> I'm saying, we, we like right. to believe that it will be so if you ever want to get in touch with us you can send us an email to comics at notarobotpodcast.com and you can get us on twitter too at notarobotcomics and if you feel like supporting us you can visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast for very little out of month and we also have our very own discord server all of us here at not a robot are online and ready to chat and I realized today how dirty that sounds with some support, you can find your way into the server. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember those those bad channels at 2 a.m. It just flashed in my mind today when I was going over the script. <laughs> we, we're here and online, ready to talk all things geek with us and other fans. Uh, so keep an eye on Twitter for more info about that. And it will be PG-13 at best, I promise. So today, we are looking at Teen Titans Academy number 15, Batman Fortress number 1, Task Force something number eight the swamp thing number 13 <laughs> i i want to say z but i just can't bring myself to do it <laughs> aquaman number four detective comics number 1060 action comics number 1043 deathstroke inc number nine and robin number 14 as well as a couple of honorable mentions at the beginning of the show but before we get anything's into that, better than task force something I, 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 <laughs> don't pick a lane Z or Z, whatever you're going with, just go with it, man. I'll just hear Brandon in the distance going, no. (laughs) (laughs) Very possible. (laughs) But before we get into all that goodness in comics, let's get into some news. It's been an interesting week for news up and down. Actually, just today, Ray Liotta passed away. That was sudden, out of nowhere. He was in the middle of filming a movie. That's just a bit of a shock. That's a damn shame. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah, um, it's been a year a for. Yeah. yeah, it's been a year for famous deaths. I feel like so many it's famous nice. people have died this year. It's been kind yeah, of brutal. For sure. And it all started. I still with... can't believe we lost. Um, yeah, George Perez and Neil Adams. Yeah. within the same week, I believe. It's crazy. Yeah. Danny O'Neill, as you go of the year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I think like I mean, obviously like George Perez's legacy is still like continuing as he shows up sort of in uh, Titans Academy, right? Yeah. But it's it's been like and like we'll have like the I know the homage book is coming soon, right? But it's been definitely a very tough um, set of losses for the comics community. It's like it feels like we're losing a lot of that generation of like classic creators from the 1970s and 80s mm-hmm. you know that have really gone on to define modern DC comics in big transformative ways right and I think that's been tough but we continue reading comics and comics continue to grow so yeah. 
you know. And this is the unfortunate truth that eventually we will all take that leap and and we're going through a phase where all the the creators that we've grown up reading about and loving they're they're slowly phasing out and we're getting all the new blood which which is exciting but it's it's also a damn shame we're losing all this talent i mean they brought us so many good stories they they shaped comics you know in general and uh definitely left their print on 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 the comics industry at large man so it's hard to hard to not consider them on a level all of their own you know what i mean yeah oh for sure but we here we are um this is a weird transition but august solicits came out um <laughs> done a lot of coverage of them there's a Speaking lot of, of exciting comments. stuff you know, um, we've got what's what's on that list? Um, can someone remind me? Uh, I forgot to pull up my list of what's, what's important. There's that guy that uh, he's rich. Where's a hood? Batman. I was thinking of Green Arrow, but no, he's not in it. It's Batman. You're right. Yeah, Batman. There's like 500 Batman books yeah. again. Which, yeah. shocker. Um, I know everyone's Whoa. so surprised that there's a lot of Batman, but. There's some interesting stuff that I'm excited for. So, for example, Harley Quinn is getting a weekly event series called the Task Force XX. I know all of you guys are so excited about Task Force Z, but Mm. you never know. Task Force XX might be fun. Um, It'll be a weekly story and taking place in the issues of Harley Quinn, and will include a team that includes uh, Bronze Tiger and some of the, like, more, like, D-list superheroes or supervillains, right? Um, Robin also seems to be going down a darker path um, as Joshua Williamson ends his run on Robin. Um, we'll talk a little bit more in a second about where that story's going, but that's kind of tough. Um, we now know that the legacy Black Adam character that's going to be in Christopher Priest's run is named Malik. Um, we also have Yara Floor getting a big one shot to tell where her story's going, which I've been a little curious about because try- I really enjoyed Wonder Girl and we don't know where that's going. There's the Flash Dark Crisis tie-in that's coming to a conclusion. Um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen in that book. I know there's a Flash 2022 annual coming, but um, I was a little surprised to end like a Dark Crisis tie-in before Dark Crisis is over, because then where does the book go in that weird time between Dark Crisis and the stories that come after, right? Um, the Mary Marvel uh, Shazam book is coming out in August, and that'll be four issues. Um, there's a Human Target... To 1.5 book, which is just to sort of bridge the gap between right. 1 and 2. Um, Black Adam's getting a movie tie-in with Cyclops. Um, there's the Outsiders of Back in Urban Legends. Flatline and Robin are breaking up. We got Jay's getting a new superhero name slash suit. Swamp Thing ends, uh, of course, with number 16. The Justice League target, just, Young mm-hmm. Justice Targets is about Markovia. And last but not least, um, we found out that uh, there's a Batman vs. Robin series coming in... September. Yeah. Um, that will be I written saw by that Mark Wade. <laughs> <laughs> with art by uh, Mumad Ostrar and Mark Wade being the writer, which is exciting. Mark Wade coming back to DC for a renaissance. Yeah. It's That's an exciting awesome. time right there. Speaking of awesome talent that we grew up with, like <laughs> at, at least yeah. it, he's, he's going to be around for a while. I'm happy to hear that. He, he's, he's a great freaking writer. So. Uh, we've had a lot so, of discussions mm-hmm. about what that story is going to be about, and it does seem, at, at least Mark Wade has confirmed it is going to be spinning out of his World's Finest book, 
uh, how that yep. happens remains to be seen. But well, we, we, we actually get a little peek of it this yeah, week. Yeah, there there was yeah. a big tease. We'll, so. we'll get we'll get <laughs> that to we'll get to the end of that. Yeah, right? well, so it's anything... all going to come together. Mm-hmm. So, did you guys get excited by anything in particular from the solicits? Um, I personally am really excited for the uh, Mary Marvel book that's coming. Um, I think it's one of those stories that I've been a little. I want to say scared of, but like I think it'll be a really nice chance to have another sort of Shazam type character. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think the word I, I think the word you're going for over there is uh, um, cautious curiosity. Yes, exactly. And then the other thing I was really excited for that I didn't mention earlier is there's the Hippolyta book coming, which is Olympus Rebirth number one, which will focus on Hippolyta taking her spot on the pantheon of the gods. Um, and I'm excited to see where that goes. It seems very interesting to me that none of the Wonder Woman characters can die. Wonder Woman, quote unquote, dies and then just spends her time in godhood. So, yeah. you know, but it'll I mean, be fun. I, what I'm most Honestly, excited about I, that could... book is how it ties in all the, the stuff we've had with various gods throughout all the Wonder Woman books this year. Through all the different pantheons and that it's it's somewhat all going to be tied together through Hibbala. So I think that's a, that's a very interesting cue and it might be in my opinion, the most interesting Wonder Woman title so far this year. Okay, I'll, I'll give you guys both of that, but devil's advocate here, I just almost feel like that cheapens what Hippolyta's death meant to the three tribes of Amazons. Like, what caused them to take that step to be who they were meant to be was, that was Hippolyta's death, and just to have it have her show up in another storyline, I don't know, it, you because you know from that point on, no matter whether or not it occurs in this arc, she's going to be showing up and, and talking to Wonder Woman like a, a forest ghost, you know, at some point. Yeah, I mean that it still remains to be seen just what really happened, and I think we're going to get those answers with the Artemis one shot in June or July, whenever I think it's July. <clears throat> Because there's still that, that mysterious meeting before that. the trials even happened with the yep. um, uh, with, with Hippolyta and, and I think it was Faruka and, and Artemis. Um, there's definitely some shady dealings going on there. So maybe this is all part of the plan. Who knows? Well, you're, you're probably right there. Regardless of what direction they, they uh, pointed in, we, we should definitely be getting some answers. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting for sure, I think. Because mm-hmm. that, that, that other storyline in Wonder Woman just disappointed the hell out of me. <laughs> the one with the, like, the, the previous owners line? of Themyscira. That, that just ended oh, so yeah. quickly and poorly. Yeah. But that's... Yeah, but I'm excited for where Wonder Woman's going, you know? Yeah, We've got it's, a it's bunch of books coming. In general, absolutely, dude. Yeah, yeah the fact yeah, that we're, we're actually getting more than one book... I was a little nervous after Trial of Amazons. Yeah, I was a little nervous after Trial of Amazons, but it seems that DC's trying to pick it back up, so mm-hmm. I'm excited I'm to see a, I'm goes. a little worried about evil psychic milk, but hopefully <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that yeah. straightens itself out pretty soon. Yeah, I, yeah, I we'll do worry the goes. fact that Dr. Psycho is, is going to be such a long-running villain in a Wonder Woman book. He, he definitely doesn't feel like he should have that much clout. Maybe a short story arc, and then move on to something else. Uh, just to have him running an entire story arc like that feels like a 
a, a bit of a cop out in a way. I don't know. It, it, it's he's not a good villain. He really isn't. <laughs> he's just a dick. But well, no. I mean, that's part of what makes him fun in Harley Quinn animated series. But I'm not suggesting the the side characters from the Harley Quinn animated series should like win the game or that <laughs> win like like be these like big characters. Okay, you know? I'll, I'll say it like this: um, I I would read a twelve issue series about Kite Man. But I wouldn't. I would not oh, even yeah. read a two-issue series about Doctor Psycho. <laughs> but no, that's just me. <laughs> well, Kite Man's getting his own spin-off TV series, so you're gonna get so to find out what that would be. He's like. opening a bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Yeah. Um, um, also, in news, there's a rumor coming that uh, a close friend bleeding cool. So I would say take it with a grain of nut, like or with a. Grain of salt, but um, grain of there's but like <laughs> that's a pretty big ass grain there, dude. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, but Bleeding Cool's generally pretty accurate with their rumors, so I mean, they, I'm they gonna say that. <laughs> but... Yeah, so this is uh, the so they're releasing a Batman Incorporated series as well alongside Batman vs Robin, um, which is expected to come out in October or November. Apparently, I mean, this yeah. Given given what we know about um, how it's tying together, or how it's you know at least loosely how it's tying together by the end of this week here. Um, oh shit! I forgot where I was going with that. Never mind. Do you, so, so I think it's interesting. So it's unclear awesome. from the announcement if Mark Wade's involved in this or not, or if it's just a Batman Incorporated series, right? I think like I would have to say my first guess for who would write the Batman Incorporated series be someone we've now talked to on the show at Brisson. Um, but um, I don't know who else could be on, on the team. Or let's say Mark Wade is leading the story. It's unclear if this is a this is connected to Batman vs. Robin or not. But how would you guys feel about, let's say, Mark Wade becoming the next big sort of like overview, like voice of the Bat family? I'm not against Mark that. Wade? Hell no. Yeah. I think I think it it would take up a, it would take away a little bit of the gloom that's been dominating Batman as of late um every fucking panel seems to have a rainstorm in it but um but, you know exaggerating like there, there was a there was a panel in detective comics that that just made me laugh <laughs> but I'll um, get to that later yeah no I, I i think that Wade could give us some good stories i mean uh i don't think he's the kind of guy that would uh handle it for you know a hundred issues but um i would i would really like to see a year-long issue from wade i would i would take that in a in a heartbeat man yeah are you interested to see where a storyline would go especially with uh williamson's dropping for like uh, someone like mark wade to pick it up because i think that's one of the things i find most interesting about batman vs. robin is i really think williamson's best book has consistently been robin and one of the best books at dc and I'm really curious, but also a little nervous, to see where, like, another writer takes those threads. Especially with someone like Mark Wade, who has a lot of history dealing with, like, classic DC, Golden Age-type stories, like, as we're seeing in the very good Batman vs. Superman, or Batman and Seals Flash Superman World's Finest. But I'm a little hesitant to see Mark Wade on, like, sort of a modern st- storyline like this, especially because... Does Damien will be coming? I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I worry that Damien will be really dark with like 
if the, the direction of this could be dark, because Damien's been going on this darker and darker path lately. You know, he left Batman to be on his own because he was angry about Alfred's death, and as he comes over his grief of Alfred, he gets, he basically puts it away, and then immediately, like, he's sent into the events of Shadow War, where his father dies, or I guess his grandfather. Right. And then with Dark Crisis coming, it's possible that, like, he's about to see Batman die, who is, like, his, like, father figure, right? And, well, technically his father, but also kind of a unique story, example. Um, yeah. And, like, I feel like I worry that, like, there'll be a little bit of, like, a, oh, he suffered so much grief, now he's the bad guy. Which reminds me a little bit of uh, Doctor Strange 2. Um, but I just worry that that's the direction we're taking Damien. Um, but we'll see. Well, uh, if, if Rob remembers, that's something I said was going to happen, and I said it months ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, I firmly believe that that's exactly what's going to happen. Damien is going to go bad guy, if not compl- if not completely as close as he possibly can get. Ghostmaker, Red Hood, kind of good guy. You know what I mean? Um, but it is it is going to be bad. I think that's where it's leading. He's lost his he lost Alfred. He lost his grandfather. Uh, he lost his brother, and um, possibly more people coming up. And, uh, and, you know, of course we know that Batman is going to go, I think that he's going to turn dark before then. And that's what's l- leading into, uh, Batman versus Robin, um, is Damien just fucking full, full on nuclear meltdown, uh, you know, let lashing out and Batman having to be the, being the only one that could stop him. Um, I think that's what we're going to see. And it's likely, I would think that it's going to continue for for at least a while, maybe not forever, but it, it, you know, you know, maybe not for years, but it, it will. Uh, I think it's going to last for a little while. Do you think and, a book like this could result in Damien sort of like losing his Robin mantle? Oh yeah, I think he's going to ditch it like again permanently, at least at least for a couple, at least for a year. I would say at least for a year he's going to end up and ditching his Robin mantle. Where do you think mantle. he would take that? Do you think he goes more in line with like League of Assassins, stealing because there's the new combined league right run by Talia called I forget what what are they called the the League, League of Lazarus, League of Assassins, yeah. and League of Shadows. Yeah, but then they com- they combine them together. I don't remember what the new name was. I want to say the Shadows. But do you think like they could be taking oh, yes. that storyline where it's like, hey, Damien is now like the stepson or like the heir to like the shadows, um, and they take that approach? Oh, I mean, but... one identity that he definitely could take up is the dragon, Ooh, which would I could, I could, that could work, yeah. Um, I guess. And, but and before, the only other... there's there's a lot more yeah. answers that could go into all of the questions that you've been asking, but I think it would require us spoiling the issue we're going to review toward the end of the show. Right. So, <laughs> so, and then finally, um, there's the news about Blue Beetle, um, whoop, which whoop. is really exciting. Yeah, uh, set photos leaked so with good. the new costume. I'm I like the I like the blue a lot in the costume. I think some of the like. The grays or like the black, like the stuff that's not, it's like the base layer of the costume, like everything below sort of the chest feels a little off, but that's not the sort of thing I think CGI will really clean up. I think we're going to, because I think we're going to see movement in there at least a little bit. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, But I think it's a really cool costume. I'm very surprised by it and I'm excited by it. 
It looks so comic accurate that I was like, yeah. whoa. I couldn't believe it. It was awesome, man. So yeah, happy about it. really good in that role. That was great. Yes, casting. he does. Yeah. Yep. So speaking of Blue Beetle, there's also a rumor going around that as I was looking it up just to confirm, uh, only Entertainment Weekly so far has said that they have a source that says it's not true, but everybody else is still saying it's a rumor. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, that uh, Ted Cord has been cast. Oh, yeah? And it's by none other than Jason Sudeikis. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which would be very interesting. Yeah, I think he I think he could do a good Ted Cord. Yeah. Especially if they have... Uh... what he's been in. I'm, I'm so bad at this kind uh, of stuff. Most recently he's been doing Ted Lasso. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he, he was, yeah, he was also did I, I know I've watched so many movies with him in and I can't think of a single title. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, if you know him from he, Ted Lasso, he's been know. in a lot of stuff. We're the Millers is probably Millers, the most yeah. popular one okay, of recent yeah. time. Yeah. But uh Look, dude, I just had okay, check this out. <laughs> like, I totally think people could like he could play that kind of fatherly figure, which is what you kind of want a Ted Cord to be, right? Yeah. But a goofy Ted Cord, right? So check this out. What do you guys think about him as Ted Cord and Brad Pitt as Booster? Brad Pitt. He's older, oh. just like yeah. Ted Cord is, and he's goofy as fuck. So I, don't know I mean, if Brad Pitt can do that level of goof. Like he can definitely do goofy. Oh. But I don't know if he can go with that level of goof yet. Yeah, you got to read Burn After Reading or watch Burn After Reading. Oh, yeah. Trust oh, me. I still gotta, I still oh yes. Watch that. Like, he's got the kind of goof that's got a bit of smolder to it, you know? Like, he's funny. Oh, no, this, the, you, there's you no smolder in, in Burn After Reading. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just because you got a thing for him, Rob. So that's DC movie news, and just the, the, the only other movie news I got, which it's, it's completely not comic book related, but it's book related. I just think it's hilarious. A few years ago, uh, public domain law kicked in, and Winnie the Pooh became open to anyone's usage. Specifically, the naked Winnie the Pooh, the teddy bear Winnie the Pooh, not the one with the red shirt. That one's still owned by Disney. But teddy bear Woo-hoo! Winnie the Pooh, when he first debuted, with all of his friends minus Tigger, because apparently Tigger is not included in that uh, public domain right now. Uh, the first public use of the character and the franchise has been unveiled and it is in the form of a slasher horror flick called winnie the pooh blood and honey yeah i love the title though it's i have so to admit fucking great good. Title. <laughs> it's it's they have to lean into the cheese though if they're gonna make it good and interesting don't make it just strictly slasher horror lean into the funny lean into the wackiness the, the photos show there's one shot of two guys hey, in Piglet, red why don't you stop by for breakfast red jumpsuits and and one's wearing a bear mask rubber mask like those president masks that robbers wear and the other one's wearing a boar mask which is very piglet but he's got tusks so it's a little worse and they're standing they're holding knives and standing behind some woman in a bra and, and a hot tub like just lean into the cheese, <laughs> please. Right? It's, it's gotta be stupid. 
My gut oh, is I don't think it's going to have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> I think oh, I'll I pass. But you guys have fun <laughs> with it. Enjoy oh, your man. Winnie the Pooh horror film. It, if it is Pooh a straight up slasher flick, I will also level. give it a pass because I, I just I just don't really care for straight slasher flicks. But as, if it's comedy or B horror, I'll eat that shit up. <laughs> and so it's <laughs> if if you're taking a franchise like Winnie the Pooh and you're turning it horror, you gotta be stupid about it. No, and I don't think have, you can do that and involved. not be if stupid. If you're gonna put in the title, you gotta have some honey involved. <laughs> like like they're they're yeah. taking people's blood because Pooh Bear wants the honey and he thinks that's where the honey is. Oh I don't know, dear. Some, some some shit like that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's that's what I got. I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. You know what I'm also excited to talk about? This week's comics. Yeah, I think oh. that's a good segue. So yeah, first up, we're gonna before we jump. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, Josh. No, no, no. Go ahead. Honorable mentions. That's what honorable, I was yeah, gonna say. Honorable, bench, honorable um, mentions. I was gonna say. Take it away, Josh. Uh, I, I I read DC versus Vampires Hunters number one, and I loved it just as much as the first series. I'm I'm digging it, and uh, I I really like this story. I was surprised that I liked it at all. But it's been super good so far. And I don't know if you guys got a chance to read uh, Beyond the White Knight 3, but that was awesome, too. Got a good so, look at the I Robin guess... costumes, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah, so quick question. Um, with DC versus Vampires, they're obviously taking this approach of after t- telling the first uh, miniseries or first six issues, right? They're take, doing a couple of one-shots. How do you feel about this one-shot approach now that you're reading it? Uh, I... I... I, as long as it, as long as it adds to the story and it isn't just a bunch of filler shit, like uh, I guess the best example for you know most recent shit is uh, Death Metal, where it's just a bunch of one shots that added nothing to the story. Um, I I'll, I'll I'll be okay with it as long as it just keeps building instead of being fluff. Yeah. And do you think Hunter's Number One does a good job at that? Yeah, I think I think it I think it would, did a good job of adding to the story. Um, maybe I was just partial because of it being Damien, and it it, it, it was pretty dang cool. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I don't I, maybe see it was just some fanboy this stuff. Needed but... to be a one shot, and why it couldn't so at least from what we've seen, why it couldn't just have been blended into the main story. It it felt kind of pointless, extraneous. In a way. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, they're really building up this Hunters DC versus uh, Vampires story because they've got the second spinoff series, right? So after the right. one-shots, they'll be telling two stories simultaneously, which I'm a little surprised they're doubling down on DC versus Vampires so much. But apparently yeah. it must be selling or something because people, people are buying it. And they might be uh, looking at the DC's approach where where they had the base story and then they had the digital series and then they had the side series and then they had DC's too. So instead of doing it one by one, they're just doing it all at once. Again, people love DC's and they loved all the stories. So we'll just throw everything we have at them. Yeah. So, I, so you don't know more. <laughs> That's well, the way it works. Yeah. So do you want to move on to the spotlight? I think we probably should. Oh, Wait, did, did, I, I might have missed it. You, you, you mentioned both? 
Yeah, I think I she was just it. like, oh. I liked Bat Beyond the White Knight. Let's move oh, on. Oh, fair. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the Robin costume was kick-ass. I'm, I'm putting that yeah, out there again, and it's a pretty damn good story. Yeah. Okay. I am so, not the yeah. biggest fan of the White Knight franchise, so I'll yeah. take your word for it. Fair enough. Well, don't it take my word for it. <laughs> take Brandon's okay, word for it, because he will speak volumes about the White Knight franchise. <laughs> take a look. Yeah, it's especially in a book. beyond the White Knight, like I will. Speeding comics. <laughs> was, it, was, it, was that was that so indeed it was <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> nerd all right all right i believe we're gonna head over to teen titans that's it tta and oh, yeah shoot it's me first oh wow I, okay i forgot that so uh so tta teen titans academy number 15 it is the final issue brought to us by none other than writer tim sheridan with art by tom derenick colors from peter pentazis and matt herms and letters from rob lee so i'll sum this up instead of doing a proper solicit this is a grand goodbye to this up-and-down series. We get a wrap-up in quotations to many storylines, such as Cybeast not really being two people again, but just appearing to be. Billy still being trapped in the Rock of Eternity with what was said to be Dane and Teddy, but both of those characters appear later on at the graduation ceremony. And confirmation that Matt is definitely not Kryptonian, but what the hell is he, then? Is is he really connected to Darkseid? Apocalyptian. They, like, but... <laughs> there's there's a lot of loose threads for left from this issue and like yeah. all all that wrapped around the start of a new semester in a brand new building that is bigger than the original just in time for deathstroke to burn it down in dark crisis so hey. whoop, whoop. yeah there's, there's so many questions left open and and yeah. this issue like a good chunk of the series for me was just a bit of a mess like that that's the problem with big cast books you need to give time to each character you put in the spotlight but there's never really enough time and yeah i just what's going on with matt and i know we'll we'll get more of of billy's story in in uh, mary's shazam book coming down the lane but there's just so much like did they really build a newer tower so quickly I refuse to believe. Oh, I mean, it that's took, how long it, it took. It did not take more than a year. <laughs> oh, they, yeah, they, ugh, they did a reverse Bendis. Instead of a year's worth and uh, two weeks taking over a year to write, they did um, two years taking over a week to write. <laughs> but um, I mean, I mean, it was okay. It was an all right ending to the sludge that we've been getting. I didn't expect yeah. this to be stellar. I barely expected one thread to be weaved together, let alone any of them. Uh, it was a convenient way to have, well, okay, it's either Garborg or Saigar because Cybeast is just stupid. Um, it frees up Shazam and it spoils what's, for those who don't, you know, read, seek out comic news, for those who read comics as they are and come out, uh, it kind of spoils what's coming up with the new uh, champion of Shazam. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um but uh, for me, it was basically all boring. It was a bad run with a bow on it. But the art was good. Yeah, the art was I really, really want to push back on what you're saying about it's a bad run. Personally, for me, this is one of my favorite DC comic series they've released in the last four years. Um, I think the ending was incredibly Ooh. sloppy. I think oh, it's yeah. beyond clear that there were a lot of plans that did not have enough time to develop. Um, it's very clear to me that something 
like whenever the series was canceled, like he was like, well, I have this much story I still want to tell. Uh, so I guess we're going to try to tell it all. Um, it felt very sloppy and very rushed. And I really think that like, I'm because he had like basically two issues to conclude the series after telling sort of like this big 12 issue opening story. But I just remember, like, it was all the little moments for me that were just, like, so much fun. From, like, the moments where Beast Boy's teaching and he keeps transforming the animals in the background to the, like, little uh, queer moments of, like, asking people out to Stitch's witty one-offs to the stories about sort of, like, finding belonging and self-acceptance within the, like, bat pack to being unafraid uh, to be queer to dealing with, like, stories, like, Billy's story and, like, the grief he's suffering from and the expectations he feels on himself. And some of the really clever stuff with the future state timeline. And I really feel like with so many new characters that were so compelling, I love Stitch. I liked Mac Price a lot. I really like Summer. I really loved, um, you got, uh, what was his name? With the, uh, to- Tubi, right? Oh, Tubi. Um, yes, I thought right. there was a lot of fun characters. <laughs> uh, I thought the Brick was a pretty interesting character, um and the red x mystery was really fun and to me it's just really disappointing for the series to end like this Mm -hmm. because i really think the last i would say three four issues have been really rough but i mean i think it's like lasted longer than that i wanted to like all of these characters and it started off freaking great i loved it even when um well i know at least brandon didn't from the get-go but um it, it just started bouncing all over the place and needed to take part in all of these events for no reason, including War for Earth 3. There was no reason to have that tied in. That took an issue away from them that they needed. Um, yeah. well, the so Red X the question, shit right? was just so convoluted and That's ridiculous and yeah, well, ends so with like, nothing. Well, it ends with another Red X, yeah. right? Which, like, I mean, who's Red X? Who's Red X? Well, it doesn't matter because it got away again. Well, we caught Red X, and it turns out that there's another Red X. Um, and I'm, a, but like, I liked everything up to I think issue twelve was really, really good, and I think it really takes a hard fall for the last three issues. I think part of that's because it has well, a forced tie-in, and then it has two issues to wrap up everything. When like there was so much story, like why did we spend so yeah. much time on Apocalypse with two issues of wrap up? Like you if know? we wanted to wrap up the story. Like, there was much better ways to do it, rather than taking this hard turn to Apocalypse, which, by the way, is the first time Apocalypse has shown up in Infinite Frontier as, like, a location, you know? Oh, so, yeah. like, yeah, that's, right. that's that that was a huge shift to come out a little out of nowhere. Um, but I really love Tim Sheridan's work here. Um, I think he did an incredible job. I'm looking forward to whatever he has next uh I know he's doing Batman Beyond or uh, Flashpoint Beyond or whatever, but once you get past that, like, I'm really hoping that, like, he gets to come back to some of these characters. Um, That's my personal take, is I really love the series. This issue was a lot, um, but it doesn't take away from the really, really good moments. I, I definitely agree with you there. Like, when I say up and down series, up was definitely the character work the characters that we were introduced to and a lot of the, the the intricate stories that we had with them and the down is Psybeast and the crossover with suicide squad like that that's ultimately the down yeah. and the last couple of issues were faltering but like like you said he had a lot of story planned and it had to get squished in so you, you like like i mentioned you, you need you don't have enough time to give the spotlight to everyone unfortunately it's 
it's, what it's is down and anyway. then 10 times further than down? Because that's what Cybeast is. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that yeah. they merged him. I'd, I, you know what? I, I'd, I I'd be happy concept. to take Just everything else that came with there. the arc. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous, and it's gonna be sticking I mean, like, around like, because they just left it as a hologram. If yeah. you're gonna merge Cybeast, you better have like actual story to tell with it. But you, yeah. but there wasn't the time, so it's like they come up with like a cop out with like psychic like projections or glamours or whatever. And, and they don't I even think... really explain why they had to fuse in the first place. Just the building fell on them, and the only way to survive both of them was to make them fuse into one body. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, like, it could have been fun. It was just, like, like you don't have yeah. time to develop it, so. Yeah. You know. Ignore the fact that, that Vic is way bigger than Gar. <laughs> That's oh, true. Shit, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love, there was, like, the funny moments. I think this was in the 14, where he was like, but what about my facial hair? Like, I'm having, like, I think part of what made this so weird, too, was there was, like, three different stories going on. It was, like, this really nice story with George Perez. It was, like, kind of sweet. Uh, with Diego, who of course like suddenly has wings now, um, and then you've got like the Cybe storyline, and then you've got like the stuff on Apocalypse, and like it just felt very incohesive, you know. But mm-hmm. I love the series, so I can't. I'm not going to per- compete, like say much more against it, you know. Um, moving I on. That's that's yeah, so weird. It, that's it something because he's I, got I, Omega beams. Yeah. Hopefully there's something more coming, but we'll Hopefully. see. So I, I, I gave I, it a 6.5. Six. six flat. Yeah, it's a six point. I think it's a seven for me. Fair enough. I'm trying. All right. Six, six, six yeah. point five, seven. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So we're moving on from the, the Tower of Titans to the Fortress of not yet solitude but it's getting there with batman fortress and i believe nathan is going to tell us all about that um well for those who were curious there is no fortress in this issue so i have no idea why it's called batman fortress yet um but actually it was surprisingly (laughs) really good so the power goes out in gotham there's no lights and no cell phones and thugs break into the mansion and quote unquote batman must be dealing with bigger issues after all as the the thugs think so the manor that they're breaking into it's the waynes and the thieves are taken out because lo and behold if you break into wayne manor batman's still gonna be there um <laughs> meanwhile gotham pd struggles to figure out how to turn on the bat signal and then they find out the arkham was opened apparently all you needed to break out to create a full breakout of arkham is to turn off the power because the backup generators take up just long enough to turn on that the uh, all the gates opened um, that seems like yes. a major Anyways, back in Wayne Manor. <laughs> Anyways, back in Wayne Manor, the pow- backup power generators in the cape- Bat Cave enable Bruce to figure out that the whole world has basically lost power. Uh, Bat- Bruce then heads to the Bat Signal where he learns that there is a purge out there. That's basically the purge out there and that Arkham has had a breakout. Quote unquote, let's survive the night, Bruce tells Gordon. Batman then try begins trying to save as many lives as possible, but talks about like and talks about the nature of capital society being built around people grabbing for carrots. He's Batman for the bigger fish, those who want to kill and the supervillains. Why stop people who are suffering or trying to take advantage of when the carrot's dangling in front of them and the lights go out, you can just grab the carrot. 
he's not really there to stop property damage, you know. Um, so he stops the penguin from killing a man on a rowboat. That was weird. And then he stops the Joker from kidnapping a bunch of children <laughs> on a school bus. Also kind of weird. Why was the Joker doing that when he has free reign? Okay. And as the Joker dangles, Bruce contemplates letting him drown. Because apparently the Joker can't swim. Um, and after saving the Joker, he heads to Crime Alley, where the crime is happening, <gasps> and reflects on all the bad memories there. <laughs> Finally, Dawn arrives, and Batman heads home at the Wayne Manor, and Alfred has figured out there is a massive spaceship in the atmosphere. And so, they contact the Justice League, and they prepare to go to war against the spaceship. Um, I'll have to be honest, this book is actually really good. Like, I actually think there's a lot that happens in it for the short amount of pacing. And there's a lot of, like, weird, stereotypical Batman things. But I think, like, the story does enough interesting, different stuff to be, like, fun. And with the 26 pages, you know, like, there's a lot that happens. I totally thought this was a 48-issue story after I finished. And I was like, what? Because I'm so used to reading books like The Flash by Jeremy Adams. It's like all this, like, you tell, like, a short story in, like, two whole issues. Um, and I think this book does a really good job of capturing Gotham as a whole. Um, and even as (laughs) the power going out everywhere is a really cool premise. I will say one of my few big critiques is that, this is with the art, is that if the lights were to go out everywhere in the entire world, the sky would be beautiful, right? Instead, the sky is nothing. Um, because the whole reason why we don't see a lot of stars is because of light pollution. But if there was literally no light pollution, you would think that, um, when you could, and you could see the moon really well, so you would think the stars would also be really pretty. So I was a little sad about that, um, but otherwise, I was really happy with it. What do you guys think? Well, um, I'm going to tell you that I enjoyed your review more than I enjoyed the book itself. Uh, to <laughs> me, it was just another Batman series. Uh, it felt incredibly generic seeing a b- b- Batman do all the same stuff he normally does with no real story behind it, just zip, zip, zip. I also felt like Robertson was off of his game here. Um, I I honestly don't like a third, maybe closer to a half of the panels here, mostly because of the way he did the faces. And, you know, the story was just the average run-of-the-mill Batman story. Um, if it was so, somebody I mean, looking for a one-off, I would say go ahead and grab it. But other than that, I mean, honestly, I'd tell somebody to save their money. I gave it a six. I think for me, it's a nine. That's a huge difference. Um, But I think, like, what makes this good is it's a very different, like, sort of what-if Batman story where it's less, like, like, what I was, like, what I'm used to with Batman stories is very, like, standard, oh, here's the bad guy, let's take out the bad guy and deal with a lot of psychological trauma. But I kind of like the what-if of, like, we're trying to figure out what's going on and trying to, like, adapt as things happen. I think... The little bit with the carrot dangling, um, I talked a little bit through, was, I thought, actually pretty compelling, and I think an interesting look into Batman that, like, I think a lot of, like, right-wing Batman lovers have been really critical of, um, being like, oh, Batman would stop everybody trying to commit crimes, but I like this more nuanced take of, like, I'm Batman, I've got bigger fish to deal with than, um, than people robbing in store. Um, in the midst of what could be the purge, where there's basically no way to track anybody committing any crimes or anything. Um, well, right. But I think it's a good first issue. Um, we'll see what happens going on with this alien spaceship stuff. Um, but for now, I'm like really happy with the first issue. Right on. I mean, you see potential in it. I'm I'm apprehensive. Uh, we've been bitching about there being too many Batman books and needing to downsize Batman books. 
And, um, you know, as a Batman fan, it feels kind of fucked up he- hearing myself say that. But then there's the point where it's just oversaturation. I mean, how many times can you hear your song every four songs on the radio before you're tired of that fucking song? Yeah. Um, Depends on the song. So, I Some mean, this could... Years I mean, I'll, I'll listen to a song to death, <laughs> and then I'll listen, I'll, I'll listen to a song I like for days on end, and then I won't listen to it for like four months because I listen to it too much. Yeah, and I mean, it could lead to a great story, but there's no way to tell from this from this issue. So yeah, I'm gonna stick with a six on mine. But I can see how you can really get into the book. I'm just apprehensive as all. So I, I think yeah. I'm more excited about the ad campaign that came with this book because that the story that they're portraying in all the ads sounds really interesting to me and i will definitely read this strictly for Derek robertson because i i love reading stuff with his art and i think it's always fun and fascinating uh as for this issue i have not had a chance to really go through it fully but i have flipped through it and got a gist of the story um this first issue does really just feel like set up to get to the main story that we were advertised and that's the story that i'm really interested in so for this issue i feel like when i do read it while it will be a, a fun enough batman story it's it's not going to garner a huge score for me but i don't think i'd give it a low one either i feel like i'd put it somewhere between 7.5 and an 8 um mm-hmm. but i don't have an actual score for it right now it does seem like an interesting premise though um like how the hell is Batman gonna run saving the entire? If if the ad campaign is to be believed, how is Batman gonna run saving the entire planet against an alien invasion alone from the fortress? Because he's solid. back, God. <laughs> it yeah, does well, seem I mean, like a like very the, interesting yeah. story. As as much as I am also just sick of the amount of Bat books we're getting, uh, I, I'm actually getting just drained of Batman. This does sound like a very interesting series that I will definitely check yeah. out. If you're going to tell a Batman book and you're going to tell another out of continuity one, you better make it interesting and different from the rest. And I really feel like this story does that. And to yeah. where, like, I could see definitely, like, years from now, people come back to this book and being like, oh, it's a pretty good story. Like, a random, like, one-off, like, story. Like, if you like Batman and you think the premise is interesting, go ahead. Like, I recommend it, you know? Yeah. yeah at the end of the day, if you like it, you like it. All the power yeah. to you. That's it. But yeah, um, when I was talking about it, I was just curious, so I looked up the book. Yeah, headline from a right-wing comic site, Batman flees Antifa and Black Lives Matter style riot. In new comic. <laughs> Fucking hell. So, <laughs> okay. you know. Wow. But I thought, like, it, I think the book did a good job portraying, like, what Batman might do. So I think it's just a little right-wing, I'm trying to attack DC. But anyway... I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think Batman would prioritize, like, would take out rioters uh, that have, like, insurance? Uh, or do you think he would focus I, on I, other I don't stuff? think he'll take the time to look up what policies they have. <laughs> I think, I, I think, I think if he's got a... <laughs> if he has a decision to stop looters or go after the Joker, he's going to go after the Joker. Because yeah. the Joker is the bigger threat. Period. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Batman's going to do. Why? Because he's not a fucking idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Quote, it's not my job to stop to protect their profit margins. You know, uh, I think it's pretty accurate. Um, So what's next? Okay, so uh, that is it for our spotlight reviews. We're just going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, Stay tuned. 
After these messages, we'll be right back. Here we go. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot, because, come on, who else are you going to listen to? That other guy? <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. So, now we're at, at full disclosure. I do not hate that other guy. I think he's a wonderful gentleman. So, we're on to our main Damn Canadians. <laughs> I can't be mean. It's against the law. So, we're on to Task Force Zombie. Uh, as our first main review at number eight i will be taking on <clears throat> the reins of that uh, I, with the power of, of sheriff rick i will be taking us through this apocalypse so uh, this is brought to us by writer matthew rosenberg with art by jesus marino jack herbert and vicente cifuentes that's colors by Adriano Lucas and letters from Rob Lee. So TFZ has a plan to steal some Lazarus resin from Batman. Dent, Grundy, and one of the tw Doctor Twins, whose names I do not remember, uh, will make a distraction for him to attend to while Jason sneaks into the new Batcave and takes the serum. It works out, but Barbara is there waiting for him. She tries to talk to him about what's going on, but she pushes too far and upsets him to make him leave. He pulls a fast one and says he's just here to get a communicator, so she goes to grab it for him with apologies. This gives him the chance to grab the serum and then dip his way out of there. And on his way to the drop-off, he's met by Dick, who again tries to talk some sense into him. But when Jason refuses, Tim and Cass appear, and the fight begins. So Jason knocks out Cass with a jolt of electricity, breaks Tim nose and Tim's nose, and takes the fight to Nightwing with a cheap shot punch to the face. Meanwhile, Batman is dealing with the distraction, but the team gets away, so he gives chase. And just as he's catching up to them, Nightwing gets in contact, saying that after a brief chase and a near death by subway train, they capture Jason and have him tied up and held down, but he does not have the serum anymore. He snuck it to a woman that they interfered with uh, with her shopping, who actually was the other Doctor Twin. Trying to figure out their next move, Jason then sneaks away on the next train that arrives beside them. Now, I did not mention this in the solicitation, or the, the synopsis I just gave, but Mr. Bloom was in this issue, and at this point, to me, he just feels a lot like Dr. Krieger from Archer, where he's just doing shit for science, and you have no idea what the hell it is. <laughs> <laughs> he just shows up, and he's got I'm doing somebody. six experiments on him. Yeah. <laughs> at the same seven, time. But he doesn't know about the seventh yet. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you just walk into the lab, he's got a baby with a bat head and bat wings. Like, oh yeah, no, that's fucking normal, yeah. If next issue he's got a hologram girlfriend, I'm calling shenanigans on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as, as much as I'm tired of the mistrust for Jason, despite all the relationship building we've had over the years, that was an awesome fucking fight. <laughs> they he, he took them to school. <laughs> I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm digging this series still. It's it's mm -hmm. a bit of an odd spot and a bit of a sweet spot where you you don't really know where it fits. You don't really know what's going on. You don't really know if you're really enjoying it, but you're having fun with it nonetheless. Um, so oh, you don't even know if you're enjoying it. Yeah, I, I, at least that's how I feel. Like I, I get to it, I'm like, oh, another one. But then I read, I'm like, oh yeah, another one. Like. I don't. I'm so lost on this book, uh, but I, I'm loving the ride. <laughs> so it's, it's so bad. I, I give it an eight out of ten because I, I I enjoy the fun of it. 
I, I think I'm I over. Think I think that's the way to describe it for me. I'm over the plot, but I'm enjoying the fun because there is a lot of fun in it as well. And I think mm-hmm. Two Face Harvey Dent in a leader capacity politically, I, I think, is a, a great turn for that character still. So that's okay. me, and I'll, I'll always take some Jason Todd. I this book is not for me. Um, I can't believe I'm still reading it because um, it's really bad. Uh, it's so sloppy. I don't really care about literally anything going on. Um, I recently re-caught up on the series uh, like two weeks ago and I've already forgotten everything. I'm so confused about what is actually happening. To be fair, I literally don't think anyone exactly knows what's exactly going on. Like the big picture story is so all over the place. The moment to moment beats of this issue were pretty good, but the like the the way this fits into the narrative of the story is just weird. And I'm so sick of these Jason Todd Bat Family moments where it's like, Oh, you are the dark one, you need to come back to us. Like I feel I thought we literally just had a whole like six issue mini series to sort of kick off Infinite Frontier with Jason Todd. And Batman with the cheer saga, right? With the teardrops, right? And I really enjoyed that story. And I was really looking forward to seeing where that thread came. And then we had the really good Jason Todd Nightwing story in the, uh, I want to say, in one of the annuals. Which annual? I think Detective Comics annual? No. No. I don't remember. It was one of the annuals. And it was really good. Oh, Nightwing annual. Yeah. And it was really good. And I thought it did a really good job showcasing their differences, but also the things that made, like, their relationship compelling. And I feel like this throws a lot of that away with, like, Jason almost killing Nightwing. Um, you know, I do, and, like, breaking Tim's nose and Tim being like, you broke my nose! Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know, it was a little disappointing. I was just, I'm disappointed in the series, and I really don't think Rosenberg is all that good of a writer. But... That's that's where I'm at at this point. I've kind of given up faith on the series. It's a five. It's a uh, well. I liked I liked the moment to moment. I guess I'll give it like a six point five. But I'm just very over the series. Well, fair enough. Yeah, Josh. Uh, Josh. Oops, had it muted. Ah. Um, <laughs> Me, myself, I'm not really sure what to say about this one. I mean, it it wasn't bad at all. I do love the series. Um, it's a fun side story. My my biggest question about it is that, uh, you know, how is this going to wrap into the universe at large? Because there's seeds that says it does. Um, pretty big seeds. But uh, this was I'm not sure man it it wasn't a filler issue it was it was able to introduce a tiny plot point but uh I don't know a, a progression book I guess I'd call it I'm not I'm not even sure how to classify this one it was this nothing spectacular kind of book, but I didn't hate it it was a I gave it a 7.25 okay 7.25 okay yeah. this is the kind of book where you have where it had like big plans it was like oh we're going to tell this big story about like tying in with some of the Amanda Waller stuff and all this and then some plans probably changed along the way and they're like well now that we think about it maybe we shouldn't have this book tie into everything else let's just let it kind of just exist and eventually drop it. it reminds me a little bit of like the Mr. Miracle book where like it came out it was not terrible 
And um, and it was like, oh, this could be really important because like we just saw Mr. Miracle in Future State, and then it was like, nah, there's basically nothing we're gonna come back to anytime soon with that uh, Scott Free, not Scott Free, uh, the new one, Norman, whoever. Um, Shyla Norman. Norman, yeah, I don't think we're seeing him anytime Norman soon. Um, I think it gives me those kinds of vibes where I think it'll end up fizzling out yeah, in terms of importance. So it'll be like one of those big skip stories, but we'll see. Well, it better not be. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of hope it is at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. I think there there is an end issue in place for this series. I don't quite remember what it is. Better be 13. That would be fitting. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. There, There is an end, end in 12, sight. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Goodness. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Though. I'm just like... Pick a lane. Do you hate Jason? Do you love him? What What's going on? He's the black sheep of the family, but you fix the problems like 20 times over by now. It depends on the uh, person writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. Pretty yeah. much. All right. So from there, we're going to take a trip across the planet to, I, I'd say, is a planet-sized hero. And that's the Swamp Thing, number 13. And Nathan's going to tell us all about that one. Yeah. So, Levi and Jessica are lying in bed discussing why Levi is saying Sid isolated from her after being frozen. And Levi says he was tempted towards becoming a tree because he wanted to be, he wanted to like, if he could like give somebody shade, it would be fulfilling enough in life for him. But after he sees Tefe, he's reminded that morality is about making choices. So, in Detroit, Levi and Jack discover a factory. A force that has been a reawoken and has begun producing goods based on the abandoned animal people like the homeless because there are no physical materials to build with. So to stop the factory, uh, Jack disconnects the factory from the lifeblood of Detroit while a gear monster fights them. After defeating the factory, Levi goes to the Parliament of Tree, who reveals the Parliament of Gears has awakened, saying, quote, We are now at war, and choosing to make Levi Jacob, Levi's brother, the Avatar. But a parliament member who appears as a young girl tells Levi, says, you have dreams, and when the time comes, the parliament will choose him again, will choose you again. Meanwhile, Trinity, the avatar made via radiation from a nuclear test bomb from last issue from the Alamo Project, finds a man who comforts her. However, her radiation kills him. It was like a cute moment where he was like, here's my jacket, you seem cold. She was like, oh, I like this jacket. And then they wake up the next morning and the guy is like dead due to radiation poisoning. Um, no bueno, and man. she takes him to the town to get help, but everyone is like scared of her. Meanwhile, that that's the end of that arc for now. Um, meanwhile, Levi, powerless now without his uh, the no longer the Avatar, heads back to her house. When Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern, shows up and he says, "Hey, Levi, uh, there are a bunch of botanical spacecraft arriving from space." Um, and Levi says, "Oh, they're here to fight a war. That's the issue." Uh, I think this is the worst of the three so far, um, but I think it's really good. Uh, I think it's probably an 8.5 for me. I think what makes this story work is that it, like, continues this really kind of cool premise of, like, how does the Swamp Thing and these big forces react to the creation of a new parliament? You know, for a long time, we've had the red, the green, and the rot, right? And for me, it's always, like, one of the things always been, what are some other forces that could exist here. And I think from last issue, like the Parliament of the Gears is really cool. I also think there's something that you could yep. be do with like the Parliament of Water 
and because like yeah, I think that's... like there's like some cool stuff there. Um, but obviously we've that's been being begging held for up. a we've been begging for a book on the parliaments, just like a, a, a like a saga book, basically encompassing all the different parliaments and. For, for shit, Rob, how long since since basically I'm thinking since the pod since the podcast started, we're pretty yeah. damn close yeah. to it when we first started so. talking about Swamp Thing. It was um the the idea of diving into it is just too good. There's so many stories that are available there, and oh uh-huh. god, I'm sorry, I could I could go on about that no, forever. But that's yeah. just I'm very excited. That's for ideal where it's man. going. Yeah. I love the idea that this like Parliament of Gears is sort of like another version of the, the Parliament of Decay, in that it's like a very different type of force that is very anti nature, very anti like animal life, but it also is like this sort of like primal force. And like this idea of the run has always been about sort of like the power of ideas, and like their ability to eventually have like influence over like nature and the world as a whole. And I think this is a great example where this idea of like the gear has become so prevalent and so prominent in the American lifestyle that it's essentially created its own force within the world. I think it's really cool. And mm-hmm. um, I think this issue continuing that was just was really good. Yep, and bringing in Jake Hawksmore to uh, be a part of that was an excellent idea. Yep. Um, yes. Seeing Levi's brother come back and show up, that was pretty neat. And the art was always exceptional. The only thing that I didn't like about it is that it's unfortunately tying into to Dark Crisis. But beyond that, it is still a really good issue. I gave it an 8.5 myself. Wait, how is it tying into Dark Crisis? Uh, I'm assuming that's what's going to be going on here at the end. At the end yeah, where he, the Green Lantern's calling him and, and he's telling war? him what the No, fork... that's the war yeah, for... Yeah, no, that's like these alien botanical ships ships are here on to have arrived to Earth to help the Parliament of Trees take out the Parliament of Gears. Like Ooh, that's what I this is about. That part it's like Yeah, that is completely. Well, I mean that's the implication because I remember that the Parliament of Gears or of the Parliament of Trees tells like strips Levi of his powers and gives it to his brother because they are at war now because they need all the force they can have to f- take out the Parliament of Gears. So they want an avatar of the green who's going to be much more forceful and powerful and, like, anti-human, like human, right? So then that's what these seem to be here for, is, like, some sort of cosmic warships that are, like, plant entirely plant-based, designed to as part of the Parliament of Trees, which I think is interesting, and we'll see where that goes, but it's a cool idea. Space veggies. Hell yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So... What what I'm curious about now, and this like, I will sound again. This this is a gorgeous looking book. Like the art was fantastic. The story was a little all over the place for me for this, but the story you get when you do get to the part you're getting is just so beautifully told <laughs> that you can't yes. really mm-hmm. hate it. And and it is beginning to ramp up with action and plot. Um, but before season two started, Ram V did mention that this season we will get a bit more story as to what happened and oh my god i just forgot his freaking name i remembered it like 30 seconds ago <laughs> Levi? Uh, the, fir- the first swamp thing oh alec holland jesus christ thank you alec holland yeah 
Um, <laughs> they were going to get a bit of backstory as to what happened to Alec Holland and where he is now and why he's no longer the Swamp Thing. So <clears throat> we've got just 13. So we've got three issues to go with season two. Um, it's getting very interesting. And as much as this is Levi's story, and I think it should remain to be Levi's story, uh, I still wouldn't be against Alec Holland making an appearance maybe in the final hour just to maybe help save the day. Or maybe is he going to be a part of the Parliament of Gears? For mm. some fucking reason. Because he kind of just disappeared in the last time from the last time we saw him. And all of a sudden Levi was the Swamp Thing. So we, we have no idea what the hell happened to Holland. Um, but I think we, we still have confirmation he's going to make an appearance at some point. So... I don't know. It's, well, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting yeah. final three issues, but I really hope that they pull another surprise and like issued 15. And like, yeah, by the way, we're doing another 10. Like, just keep that going. <laughs> don't let this end. I feel yeah. like Ron V has so much more story to tell and just let him do it. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, at this forever. point it's weird to me that DC is not just like giving him like the full runway to be like, hey, we're just making this an ongoing. Because I think there's just yeah. been such high quality storytelling and the potential for more stories just so clear in this book yeah and it's doing so much really cool stuff and every everyone just continually just loves this book they really don't understand why dc doesn't just say okay we're making this an ongoing at this point yeah i don't think i've seen a, a single bad thing said about this this entire run what i mean honestly what could you say other than i mean if you're not into the long drawn out emotional kind of stories that Ron V tells um Swamp Thing Catwoman um Blue and Green if you're not into that kind of stuff then you know I mean you probably won't like it but other than that you I I, I find something wrong with this book you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> it it's it's damn impossible yeah yeah it's hard. I, well, I, I gave this an 8.5. Uh, honestly, talking about it now and getting excited. I'm bumping it up to an 8.75. <laughs> it's it's getting to be really exciting. So 8.5, 8.75. Where are you at, uh, Josh? I gave it an 8.5 myself. Fair enough. Well, okay. I think all we're all in pretty, pretty similar. Pretty well across, with this. Yeah. So... That was the Parliament of Trees, and we're going to take at the Parliament of Underwater with Aquaman number four. And From the Parliament of Trees to the King of the Seas. Oh, Come on, it was right hey, there, Rob. I like that. I like that. I, I got a rhyme. I wish I found that. Damn. That's <laughs> my favorite demon. Fuck. Anyway, <laughs> Josh is going to tell us all about what's going on in Atlantis. All right, and that I will do. Aquaman number four. Written by Chuck Brown and, and Brandon Thomas, and the art came from Sami Basri, Vincente Cifuentes, and Adriano Lucas, with and world design on the lettering with a cover from Travis Moore and Lucas again. Uh, we start off with a flashback of uh, Mira kicking Scavenger's ass before we see him imprisoned. Another one to six weeks ago, showing Scavenger being recruited by Orm with the promise that Orm delivered on two weeks ago, of magically upgrading Scavenger's suit. Now to Gotham, where the souped-up Scavenger Man is fighting against Jackson, Arthur, and Manta, and doing rather well. Um, Handed Manta's ass to him, as a matter of fact. 
Batwoman shows up on panel before we see Jack and Jackson taking on Scavenger after he'd g- given a, a real beating to Manta. Pissed off, Jackson summers the water from Gotham sewers to propel all of the manholes at him, which is both effective and gross. Gotham sewers, yuck. Um, that can't be. It's like how many different kinds of hepatitis did he just catch? Answer, all of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, right? Oh, geez. Um, next, uh-oh, across the world, Atlantium sleeper agents are activated before we go to Jackson finding out that Mara killed Arthur once and hearing what and why Manta is on their side. He wants to change his ways and be a dad. Over the UN meeting where they granted Atlantis more time to resolve the problem of the sleeper agents just to have one activated and blow up the UN council room. Next, we get a page titled Soon that shows Mr. Terrific showing up to help rebuild. So, um, for me, that was a lot crammed into one book. It definitely brought it all together, the arc that is, and it looked good doing it. Um, It showed that Jackson is the baddest mf -er in the land, but it was a lot crammed into this. Or maybe... Maybe that's just what it felt like. There was just something off with the pacing or something. I'm not sure. I can't put my finger on it. But I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Just, I feel like it's not as much as I should have, and I can't figure out why. Um, so it got a 7.5 out of me. Yeah, I was kind of getting a, the same feel. Like I, I know I'm enjoying it. It's an interesting read so far, and I am curious how much of an impact this is going to have going forward Like when the story ends. Is this going to be a lasting uh, idea for years to come, or is it just going to it be, better be the end of the issue? And then, yeah, well, that's it. The day is saved, and everybody's back to normal. Uh, I, nope. I, I I'm a riot really if Jackson doesn't walk away being Aquaman. I mean, they're they're already calling him Aquaman. Even the they're calling they're still calling Aquaman. both of them Aquaman. Yeah, I mean, you can you, you can have two Aquaman. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a title. <laughs> That's cheap. That's cheap. Arthur needs to yeah. retire. But anyway, carry on. Yeah. So, I, um, yeah, I I feel what you're what you're saying. I I agree with it. It's, you just there's something about the book you, about this issue you just can't quite put your finger on. But but I'm enjoying it. And I gave it an eight point seven five because I'm really digging the art and I think the the story with Jackson they got going on is really interesting. And I'll read anything with Calder. I I mean Jackson. Um. <laughs> he's he's a great freaking character <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh and yeah. we're we're sorely lacking good aqua books it's a six yeah. point it's a six for me i think it's the worst book of the of the sort of like week um i just didn't like like it didn't feel like much happened and it did it felt a lot like we were moving in places and this aquaman sleeper plot isn't really all that interesting and it's very like it's like very decentralized in terms of its impact and all the characters really it felt like like nothing happened to move the plot forward in terms of like the heroes trying to take out the villains it was very much like oh we're just gonna chat and like i was very confused with the whole aquaman mars mara thing like i felt like i was missing something there um, which maybe it was, but like I know, like the they they were very focused on like sort of tearing the Aquaman family apart in this issue, but it didn't really like click for me. Like 
why we were spending all this time doing that. And when, like, it kind of resulted in the story not really moving forward. And, you know, like, the sleeper engines did a bunch of blowing up of stuff. But I didn't really feel like we even got to see most of that or the impact of that. It was like, oh, yeah, these places were blown up. You know, it was like, can we see that? Can we feel like there's, like, an escalation of the events here? Instead, it felt like we were just, like, on a treadmill, just, like, waiting for the next, like, like waiting to get off of it. I don't know. It was just kind of rough. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I've enjoyed it from the get go, and I've been pulling for Jackson Jackson Hyde to become Aquaman for a very, very, very long time. Um, again, I'll be really pissed off if he doesn't. So maybe I was a little partial going into this, but because it does feel like there's just something that's off on that. And it's 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 there's nothing special going on here, but I, at the same time, I didn't hate it. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think that's everybody. Yeah, where are we at here? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Uh, Back so, on land. Yeah, we we were we took a stop in Gotham, and I guess we're gonna double back because we're going back to Gotham, and it's Detective Comics number ten sixty. And that is going to be brought to us by Nathan. Yeah. So Bruce went on a date with Caroline, the lawyer. They discussed the arrest and the events at the courthouse before diving into the nature of innocence of the court system and how, quote, no one in courts uses the word innocent and how the nature of Gotham's inability to change people has caused people to become jaded. Quote, there used to be a lot more starriness around, end quote. As they end their date, Caroline is asked how she thought of the date, and it seemed positive. But back in the Batcave now, Bruce receives a distress call from Deb Donovan, the the journalist who we keep somehow we spent an absurd amount of time with her at this point. Um, there's been a break-in, and Donovan has been investigating the citizen criminals. Oh yeah, the people who are like the bad guys of this arc. Apparently, no, one of the known members has a secret dark side. Batman investigates and with Oracle's help identifies Darby Turner as the suspect of the break-in. Caroline on a walk discovers a Riddler letter. Then Bruce goes to Talia for some reason to ask about Dahlia, Darby. I was very confused by this. It didn't really make much sense. And Talia tells him she's been doing other stuff and that Edward just wants to play. Donovan finds Darby Turner after she was contacted. And it turns out Darby tries to kill Deb Donovan after rigging the Gotham Gazette to explode. That was a very sharp jump in content. Deb Donovan's like, hey, are you this person? Can we go talk? And then we jump to Deb Darby trying to kill Deb Donovan uh, with, like, Gotham Gazette all bombed up. And when Batman intervenes, Darby tries to kill herself. Batman saves her and her brother, who is somehow now also here, and reveals to Bruce that the envelopes basically force people to commit crimes with blackmail. Darby is saved, but Caroline, who's been blackmailed with a letter, now shoots Darby's brother. This issue... This story was not the greatest. Um, it feels like very random. It feels like we have like there were some really weird jumps or cuts, where it feels like there was some a lot of context missing to some of the events. I also don't really care for Darby or um, Darby's brother or Caroline. So all of these events were like, okay, this person's doing this. Okay, moving on. So it felt very un exciting um so for me it's a seven 
I mean, for me, uh, we are completely on the opposite side of the fence every time there's a Detective Comics issue. Um, from after the debacle of what uh, what I call um, what we call the tower, Tamaki and Shamus finally gave me a detective story uh, that I'm happy with, and it seems as though the Riddler is mind controlling people somehow. Um, well, he's blackmailing them. Well, blackmailing yeah, them, so but they seem to classic um, mystery approach of make these people do what you want to do by telling them you're going to do something to them. Um, and they feel they have no choice. Like he's got. Yeah, but then like they do the most extreme stuff, or are willing to commit suicide. Like, well, we don't know uh... what he's got on them. That's that's part of the mystery. Okay. It's it's a classic we trope in a lot yet. of old mystery stories that you see. I know. I mean, it goes deep. He's even got the judge under his influence. Uh, Reyes, Mike, uh, Mickey, and Anderson do an amazing job in here. I think that this is way on the upswing. I gave it an eight point five. Yeah, so I'm, 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 I say it a lot, I'm conflicted. <laughs> See, going into this, before I even read it, like, you know when, when you're working and you've got a two-week vacation coming up, and you're on your last day of work, and it's like a Thursday uh-huh. or a Friday, and you got your two-week vacation coming up, and that day you're just like, I'm, I'm fucking checked out, I'm, I'm not doing anything today, I'm just, I'm so pumped for my vacation, I'm here for another six hours, so I don't want to do shit all, I'm checked out of work. You know that feeling? That's how I feel with, with Tamaki's Detective Comics right now. <laughs> <Where> like, <laughs> coming, and I'm super stoked for that. But we, we're so close to the end, and I'm just like, I'm kind of just checked out of Tamaki's run. But at the same time, this story is exactly the kind of story I've been wanting from Detective Comics. It's a real mystery. It's a real detective story. What's going on? These people are doing this. Why are they doing this? What's happening here? What's going on? And we don't know anything, and that's the basis of a mystery. It's you're seeing the story unravel as it goes. And it's it's, it's finally there, <laughs> but it's at the end. So I'm so friggin' conflicted. I'm, I'm enjoying what we have. Uh, it being the Riddler is a little uh, run-of-the-mill. I'm, I'm not super thrilled that Riddler is the, the character choice here, but... I feel like he kind of fits the story. <coughs> um, I'm not super thrilled about his his goatee. That's his mustache is a little much. I don't like it. No, I don't either. Hair. It's a little <laughs> it's, it's a little too Oliver Queen for me. Weird. But yeah, um, but also like I I don't really remember what issue it is. Ron B takes over, so I don't know how many parts we have left of this. But there's knowing what i know about mysteries and and this is a very run-of-the-mill mystery story um so you you get the 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 same cues you usually do um i don't really know how much how much more story we have so it's it's really hard to tell but there's a lot more mystery to unravel uh and how many more people does enigma have under his thumb so we'll see, and and what's with the countdown? Like, where's that going? There's there's a lot of questions, and that's that's what I love about a good mystery story. It's a lot of questions to answer, and not enough answers to find. Uh, so for this, I gave an eight point five out of ten. Fair enough. Yeah. What you got on the backup, Nathan? Oh yeah, backup. So Gotham Girl, Gotham Girl, sad over the death of her friend, answers questions by the police. The questioning doesn't go well, but she gets rescued by Dr. Meridian, who scalds her for not checking into her meetings. Somehow, the Gotham girl is still posting, 
uh, the online one that's, like, causing all this chaos in the first place that's not actually Gotham Girl. And as such, private soldiers who work for Paul Perlman attack her in her home because the Gotham Girl website talks about Paul Perlman. However, she convinces them to help her, saying, well, it's better than me killing you, so just help me break into my friend's laptop. So she breaks into Arkham, so she gets some info from the laptop, then she breaks in Arkham Tower and tells Meridian, you really thought you'd be good and get away with killing somebody? That's, that's the story. It's, okay, that's, that's it. It's such a weird yeah. ending. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think me. it's an ending. This is going to be an ongoing backup as the backups have been, but... Um... Yeah, but well, I mean, ending. It's a weird. It's a weird cut. Um, I don't think the story's all that good. I don't think Gotham Girl. I think Gotham Girls doesn't have enough good content to like really make her interesting, and I don't think this is really helping that. Um, so it's. I'm not a big fan Um, of Gotham Girl to begin with, but I mean, uh, you know, maybe if she's developed the right way, but she definitely hasn't been yet, and just. Side note here, lose that dumbass mask and get a domino already. Yeah, what is going on with her just, like, painting black marks around her eyes? Like, that's not going to help no idea. at all. You think like, any facial is... recognition software is going to go, oh, there's black marker on part of her eye or, right? like, her face. Guess we can't figure out who it is. <laughs> this is My one weakness, yeah, dumb. Sharpie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's all in all, it wasn't super bad. No, the newest no, Sharpie wasn't Kate. super bad. That was a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't hate the idea of Gotham Girl. I think if, like you said, if she was developed properly and given the right storyline, could be a very interesting character. We just haven't gotten that, and the development she's gotten has kind of pushed her in the complete opposite direction of anything that could give her a, a decent status yeah and i i hope this story maybe is a stepping point to bring this character into a better light but at the same time when you have the even from the get-go it was tom king that that wrote that initial story i think that was his opening batman story yeah from the get-go he wrote that character into a corner your powers are fabricated you have the powers of a gratonian but as you use them they're slowly killing you so (laughs) like at the right away She's on a time clock. It's it's up until she's not anymore. Yeah, like it's where she's given the platinum so cri- kryptonite character. And I'm honestly surprised they even brought her back. Um, so maybe this will be the bow out for Claire. Who knows? It's Perhaps. it's a weird one. <laughs> Only time weird. will tell. Yeah. All right. Well, what's up next, y'all? You sounded just like the commercial break guy. <laughs> <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right, we'll be right back. to War World. <laughs> and that is our cue to go to Action Comics. And this yeah. is number 1043. <coughs> oh, sorry, excuse me. This is number 1043 brought to us <laughs> by writer Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Ricardo Federici and Will Conrad with colors from Lee Lofridge and letters from Dave Sharp. So Clark and the Freedom Fighters, that's what I'm calling them because I don't think they've given themselves an official name yet, uh, find where Manchester Black is being held captive and free him, taking out the orphan and teacher in the process. Word of this gets back to Mongol who is, and in retaliation, 
he takes Apollo and moves him to another location and then invades a planet, taking all of the population as slaves. This planet, as it happens, is under United Planets' protection, but under the watch of the counselor that voted against sending reinforcements to help Superman, making him a spy for Mongol. <coughs> Sorry. Meanwhile, the Freedom Fighters have a choice to make. They can take the fight straight to Apollo and take him now and get their heaviest hitter back, but that could also mean possible destruction of the planet, or go for Enchantress, whose location was recently found. Clark ponders this choice while being told a story by Krillux, a story about a godlike being, Olgrim, that died and whose remains were formed into seven infinity st- I, I, sorry, I mean power gems. Uh, they were scattered across <laughs> the cosmos. <laughs> I, 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 it was right there. <laughs> uh, so they were scattered across the cosmos, and each one eventually turned into a planet, with one of them residing within War World. And it is said, whoever finds these gems, if he be worthy, will be reborn as the hero he is meant to be, but if the one that finds them is unworthy, Olgrun will be reborn in wrath and fury. Can we talk about how they basically just introduced Infinity Stones into... I mean, we all made the same joke. I'm sure everybody else did too. There's been a lot Uh, of like multi, But like multiversal Infinity Stones rather than one universe. Yeah, it was, it was from the, the first gods. I think yeah. they were oh, run like the gods before the 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 fourth world and the third world. It was from the first world of gods. So he's he's, he's literally like pre 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 universe. So <coughs> it, it very yeah. much is Infinity Stones. <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of cues throughout this story for Marvel. And I know when it first showed up, when they first got to Warworld, Brandon and I mentioned how Mongols. Uh, lead soldiers were pretty much the black order from from thanos um and we could pinpoint which one was which there's a lot going on here um but it's still a fucking fantastic story (laughs) it looks so good the art is amazing the story is fun it is a shame about the obvious marvel parallels but it i think it's gonna go down when it's a fan when it's finally finished it's going to go down in history as a winner and as a Superman story that people will look back on fondly for decades to come. Yeah. There's this really fun video game-esque moment where they're like, well, we have two options. We could either rescue Apollo, which will take <laughs> us through the most heavily fortified layer of all of War World, or we can take Enchantress, which is being where she's being corrupted or whatever by like this, like, powerful like spider like person who's like this monster who's made a deal with mongol and might and can kill a whole planet if she wanted to so it's your choice superman yeah. which do you want to do yeah. and do you, um, do you go straight to game over or do you get the one character that can help you save the day yeah or no it's like do you take point a and do this or point b and do this but either way once you do both things you'll move on to the next part you yeah. just get a little freedom of the order. It gives me very Bioware vibes. Um, but it was fun. I like it. I also... are we? Uh, I guess actually that's, that's for later. Um, but I don't know. I was thinking about this. Do you think the Infinity Stones stuff has anything to do with like the fifth world slash light ray is tease from the end of Superman and the Authority? Oh, Shaggy must have completely missed this fifth world tease, unless I just forgot about it. Do I mean, you, that could so, be. Do you, do you, did you remember at the end of Superman and the Authority, there's, like, the epilogue where they're taken to, like, this, like, planet or whatever, and there's, like, a big thing that says, Light Ray is. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about, right? Like, do you think okay. the Infinity Stones... I, I, I never... I, that That's actually... When you, when you explain it like that, that's fucking exciting. I never took it as a, a tease for the fifth world. If that is, that is actually pretty freaking I cool. mean, it's a possibility, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, like... It's clear that Light Ray has some important role that we haven't, like, really understood yet. Um, and then she died. And, yeah. Well, that's part of why I'm, why I'm curious about what's going on here. Yeah. But, like... I think there's something interesting about, like, Superman, like, the end of the saga leading to the discovery of one of these stones. But I just have a hard time seeing how we go from point A to what the teased point B could theoretically be, which is you discover all six stones and bring them together, right? In, like, a very event-type fashion. But I just, like, I don't know if, like, if I would want to see them take this direction, you know? Like... Or if this is like a fun like side thing, which just seems weird to throw out something so big. Like there's six of these stones across the multiverse as houses planets, and one of the planets is Warworld, so you can only imagine what the rest are gonna be like. Yeah. Um, but then to go, but like to not know where that's going, and to say, hey, they threw that out, so they must be going there eventually. It seems like too big of a tease to not follow up on eventually. But is that like, is that something you want to see them follow up on, or are you content with them being like, okay? We just need it for this one planet, if that makes sense. All right, I, I think for this story, leave it to this story, and then have those plot points open, and then when the story's done, have it lead into something bigger. And instead, like, okay. this story's fantastic as it is, and I don't think it needs to be so universal. As a liberation story for Superman, I think it is, is right at home where it needs to be, and it's fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. To go all galactic on us... Uh, would just be taking it maybe a step too far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you feel theater. about the like? How do you feel about the United Planets politics stuff, with like the United Planet ships and the whole "you better give us this world" for like War Worlds like slaves, or will like start a war with the United Planets? This very almost like Mongol being a dick. <laughs> It's very yeah, but it also reminds me a lot of, like, the very Hitler, um, what was it, like, the time when they, like, the appeasement policies, right? Where it's, like, you have to deal with this person, like, Hitler, right? And, like, but people tried to, like, appease him and just say, and hold off fighting. And it feels like they're telling that kind of story here. Where it's, like, United Plants is trying to say, oh, we don't want to get involved, we don't want to get involved. But the more, like, by trying not to get involved, they're an appeasing sort of Mongol. They're only giving, yeah. putting him in a stronger position. I mean, that's it exactly, and and you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Mongol is space Hitler, essentially. It, they, it's, you know, I mean, the old saying goes, the only thing men need to do, good men need to do for evil to succeed is to stand aside. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's accurate. Um, and then how do you feel about the uh, the backup? Right, so... Uh, just just a brief, if, if you haven't read it, it, it's an origin story for Mongol, or at least the Mongol line. Now the first Mongol came upon a scientist of sorts that fell upon the planet of, I don't remember the species name, uh, who, and I, I was proud of this joke, uh, he came upon a scientist of sorts that was full of himself, so Mongol emptied some of that pride out of his head. <laughs> Dark, but I love it. Right. <laughs> uh, then on on this this person uh, on his armor, which was oddly also his skin, 
was one of Olgren's gems, which gave Mongol power and personality. At least I believe it was Olgren's gems. It certainly looked like one. Um, yep. And this power followed all that came after him, the Mongols to be. Um, it, was, it was interesting. <laughs> if, if we had Tales from Metropolis that, that I know Josh and I absolutely loved, we could have Tales from other planets. Why not? It's, Why not? It, yeah, I, I don't... I know I, I talk a lot about, like, do we really need an origin story and a backstory for this character? Um, and I've never really cared about an origin backstory for Mongol, but it was so short, brief, to the point that I'm not really against it. And there there will be more to see, as teased at, at the next issue box. So we'll see. I don't know. I'll, I'll take that with a grain of salt for next issue. For this, I didn't hate it. Like I said, it was brief. Yeah. I actually liked it. I think I want more of these kinds of like origin things. I think one thing DC needs to remember... And this is like Marvel has the same issue. Is when you have like these very deep floors, you need to uh, create content that becomes accessible for new readers who have no idea what's going on, right? If you don't know who Mongol is and you're trying to jump into this issue, it's nice to have a little origin story of sorts for Mongol, right? And I think like having like these like short like stories, just say, hey, hey, here's some catch up lore for you. I think is really cool and beneficial, and so I really like that side of it. Um, but also. It was short and kind of unimportant, and I liked it. I will say this. I liked it a lot more than I liked the Martian Manhunter story. So Yeah. It can't, it's this, not, like, it definitely felt like a win. Yeah. This at least could have ramifications for the ongoing story. Because yes. if that gem was one of the Olgren's gems, then it, it definitely can tie into the main story somehow. Which means that Mongol already has a gem. So how do you get that back? Very no, I don't know. I don't think it's one of the gems, but who knows? Yeah, it could be. Um, the hell was I gonna say earlier about this? I don't know. You hadn't said it yet. <laughs> no, we said a lot of stuff. So yeah, maybe I already said it and I just forgot. Well, do you have another Infinity Stones joke? <laughs> <laughs> do you think so? Here's something that's interesting, right? <laughs> If you're, if you're PKJ, right? Yeah. Why do you, and you propose this to DC? Does DC why, why does DC say ah yes, the Infinity Stones? We love it. Like, I don't know. It feels a little like DC was just like, oh yeah, and they try to pitch it off as this like original idea, and I just think it's really funny. It's it's but, definitely like, kind of like, oh yeah, we'll just introduce our own version Infinity of the Infinity Stones. Stones. Yeah, it's like because get, get this, these ones don't go in a gauntlet. Mic drop. Yes. They go inside of a person. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I I do feel like there's there's enough differences with these gems compared to the infinity. I, to me, they're still infinity gems. MCU made them stones. They were originally power gems. Um, the original infinity gems. I there's enough differences that I could call it mostly an original idea. But mm-hmm. the with the Marvel parallels, the the Black Order is right there. <laughs> down to character design like if, if we're talking marvel copycat stuff it's 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 mongols minions is the real culprit here um yeah but you, you, they're, they're basically just doing thanos that's all this is yeah it's there so got... i don't know if that's just a testament to how how much either we really enjoyed 
the Infinity Saga from the MCU with all the Thanos story, or if this <laughs> Philip Kennedy Johnson is just really fucking good at spinning a tale, that this has been, this War World Saga has been fantastic so far. And I remember yeah. what I was going to say. PKJ did tease that before the end of the, the run, or the story, there will be a character that people know returning to action comics in a very different manner than we are accustomed and yep i remember so that the uh prophecy we got from krillux is that uh whoever finds the gems if they be worthy will be reborn as the hero they are meant to be and they definitely alluded to the fact that clark is that hero that is meant to be but if he's being reborn as the hero he is meant to be what if that is blue costume superman <laughs> Oh no! Don't say that. <laughs> Either that or Superman, Superman one blue. million. But I feel like blue costume Superman might be. A It'll be oh Superman person. red blue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's no. <laughs> That'd be interesting, because um, I I That's think he also tease that that a lot of people will be very not unhappy about it, but more just like concerned <laughs> with this character yeah. so i don't know i i'm very curious to see where this is gonna go with a tease like that mm-hmm. and now this prophecy there's ugh, fuck. This, this is such a good story this, this issue is a nine out of ten for me <laughs> I could yeah i'm in the same boat it's a nine out of ten it's yeah. really really good i'm hating on the infinity stone stuff a little bit but i just like there's just a quality to the story that's so cool and it feels so unlike anything DC has really released in a long time. And I really hope DC takes some lessons from like how good this book is and says, hey, we can explore the cosmic more like seriously. And there's a lot of really cool stuff we can do with the cosmic. And I really hope they dive more into the cosmic. Because the story is so cool and so different from anything else. And it, yeah. fits, it feels like it fits pretty well at home with like, what DC's lore is. And yeah. so I just, I, I love it. Like, fuck, when they eventually liberate Warworld, how are they going to get home? Space cabbie. Hell oh, yeah. Yes. Duh. Yeah. 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 Space cabbie. I'm sure Enchantress will, will just fly shit back. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> he's now partners we with, he's get... now partners with Lobo. Yeah. Remember when we were supposed to get a space cabbie TV show called Bizarro oh, yeah. TV? That, that and then the guy cancels so the COVID. Yeah. Can you imagine if we had had the Space Cabby one-off episode? <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> would have been weird, but I think it would have been amazing. <laughs> I think it would have been fun. I think it would have been yeah. very fun. Oh, well. Yeah, maybe one day. Their loss. Yeah. I think he was in a cartoon or something, wasn't he? Wasn't he in uh, Young Justice, I think, for an appearance? Or Justice League Unlimited? I don't. I feel like he was in a cartoon. Yeah. Oh, um, man, I don't remember which. I don't remember. Might be right up no, the alley. No, he was in Young Justice, I think. No. Yeah, whatever. Try to find out. But it's pretty yeah. sure it was in Young Justice. It sounds like it. I don't know. I no, don't he wasn't. I don't know where he was yeah, from. We'll figure oh, well. it out. He was in something. If you know, oh, he was in it. Justice League Action. Figure okay. Figure it. Please figure it out. Figure it out. Right, so, (coughs) sorry, I got a bit of a cough now. We are leaving War World as via Space Cabbie, and we're going all the way back to Earth. 
to take part in the Shadow War. And we're starting that part off with Deathstroke number nine. Mr. Josh, take it away. Will do there, sir. Written by Joshua Williamson with art from Paolo Pentalena, colored by Romulo Fajardo Jr. and Steve Wands on letters with a cover from John Boy Myers again. And boy, is it good. The issue starts with a supervillain doctor, crime doctor, trying everything he could, uh, but uh, Respawn is unable to survive. After Ravager stops Deathstroke from killing the doctor, he asks her one more time, will she join him? Next, we're with Batman and Robin as they confront not Deathstroke. He defends his actions and Robin notices an accent. Batman notices that he seems familiar and not Deathstroke lets us know that he's kind of got a Jason Todd attitude with Batman. Along with that, he considers Deathstroke to be his mortal enemy. We flip to Batman Inc. watching over the secret society when real Deathstroke shows up and wants his people back. Ghostmaker whoops him pretty easily, but it ends with him holding Clown Hunter with a gun to his head and breaking the kid's arm. Deathstroke releases Clown Hunter, but sets off an explosion inside Ghostmaker's building, uh, which he says he will charge Bruce for, allowing him and his goons to get away and go straight to Talia. To Talia now, who is getting the sit rep from Angel Breaker. She lets Mother know, uh, Mother Soul know that Raish is dead. And now she's going to go back to Lazarus Island. That's when Mother Soul tells her that the true demon, the demon Neza, will return. Talia is then informed that a bat plane is en route. And she assumes it's Bruce bringing Damien back and orders them to al- allow ent- entry. Um, but it's not. It's Deathstroke, Inc. Um, so, interesting enough, I am assuming that everyone else noticed and recognized the demon's name here. Yeah. Well, why, it's none other than the very same demon that showed up in the world's finest title. Here's the problem. I feel like this could get a bit convoluted, pulling those two stories together. I really hope it lands right. Joshua Williamson involved. I am aggressively apprehensive about it. Mark Wade involved. And that makes me feel a bit better. But as for this issue, it's beautiful art can't be ignored. And it definitely seems to be pointing this story in the right direction. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. I mean, for years, the Al Ghul family has always talked about demon this and demon that. I'm the demon's fist. I'm the demon's head. I'm the demon's left elbow. But... They've never said what the demon is. So it's always been Neza. I guess we finally get that that old chestnut settled. Um, So, yeah, I'm not going to put too much spin on Joshua Williamson really putting much in the Neza story. If more so just Mark Waite's got this story being crafted and this is happening right now with Robin and Batman. So just put this tease in here. And that's it. And I, I think Mark Wade's story that he's got going on is going to be Williamson free for the foreseeable future. So, fingers crossed, there, buddy. I think fingers that's be the crossed. Case. And and as for Deathstroke Inc. Number Nine, it's part five of seven. It feels like a stepping stone, and and really it is. It's just getting all the players that we have in the story, getting them where they need to be for the next part and the wrap up of the entire event. Um, that's all it really is. There's some heartfelt moments with Respawn 
and Ravager and Deathstroke. Uh, and there's some teases to the identity of Fake Stroke from Batman. That fake is somebody Stroke. He, he really thinks who he is, but he's not quite sure. Is somebody he didn't trust though, which that's like ninety percent of the fucking planet. So, so it's not Superman. We can say that much. That's the one person he trusts. Um, Dang it! <laughs> right? Was, was he on your bingo card? <laughs> so <laughs> maybe. Yeah. It's it's yeah this this one was okay. It's a seven point five. It's run of the mill. It depends on uh, which bingo card he's asking about, doesn't it? Yeah, is it the winning card? <laughs> or is it the losing card? Yeah. Come on, that um, was funny. <laughs> yeah, this this is this is just the the slow rise to the climax. So that's all this was. Uh, I I don't I'm not gonna hate on it because that's all it is. It's it's that issue. It's part five of seven. It's what you'd expect. So that's it for me. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't remember the difference between the two, so I'm just not. I'm just gonna hold all my comments until after we tell talk about both issues. Fair enough. Um, because I just don't remember which was which issue. Yeah, when I was writing my notes, I had to like go back and split them up. (laughs) Like try and remember what happened where. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So we will jump right into part six of seven, and that's with Robin number fourteen, which is also written by Joshua Williamson. With pencils from Roger Cruz, inks from Norm Ratmond, colors from Luis Guerrero, and letters from Troy Pateri, suspiciously minus the letters ALW. Maybe he's off on his own now. Who knows? So Deathstroke has arrived with the Society in tow to take down Talia once and for all. Batman and Robin are regrouping with Batman Inc. to figure out the next step of their plan as Damien figures out exactly where everyone has gone. So they jump in the ghost stream and suit up with gliders, all except Damien, as Bruce does not want to put him in danger anymore. After losing him once and losing Alfred, he can't risk it, and he also clarifies what he meant before about how he would be the one to save Alfred. What he meant is that he should have been there instead of Damien. He never should have left Gotham and never should have put Damien in that position in the first place. Damien does see messages will be right what? Back. I didn't even press anything. What the hell? That was weird. <laughs> was a and ghost we're in the back, podcast. folks. Uh, <laughs> where the freak was I? Uh, yeah, so Damien does seem good with that, but then he just jumps out of the plane saying Batman will just have to trust him. So Bruce jumps after him, and then Batman Inc. enters the fray with a night of vengeance. And Damien runs ahead to find Talia and Deathstroke, but it ends up being saved by Ravager, who took out a ninja that nearly had Damien dead to rights. She informs him that despite his name, Respawn is dead. This drives him further into stopping this madness, and they eventually find Talia and Deathstroke in the midst of a giant sword fight, which Slade has the upper hand in, but Talia pulls a sneaky on him, pulls his sword blade uh, away and stabs him and slashes his chest open, killing him. Just after that, Fake Stroke arrives and monologues his reasoning behind everything, Whereas Deathstroke hurt his family and Talia hurt his country, which means Markovia demands revenge and their prince, Geoforce, will bring it. So, Geoforce, yeah. I, I didn't have that on my bingo card. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. This, this Neither is, this did I. I. I'll admit, I completely forgot Leviathan bought Markovia because I, I think I just skipped that entire storyline. But at the I got same so time, bored that was with Mark it, I couldn't Shaw tell you anything about Talia. it. 
so I'm not even sure how that ended and why he'd be mad at Talia. It was Leviathan, but it was So that's why I'm here, right? Yes. So Leviathan, back in the original event Leviathan series, bought Markovia and took it over. And that time it was under Mark Shaw, right? And Mark Shaw leads Leviathan. And then we get to the Checkmate miniseries. And at the end of Checkmate's miniseries, Talia al Ghul kills Mark Shaw and becomes the new de facto leader of Leviathan, which essentially makes her the ruler of Markovia, now called Leviathan, right? She keeps control of Leviathan slash Markovia slash whatever you want to call it. So she is currently the, the, the de facto leader of Markovia. So in a lot of sense, it makes sense for someone like Gia Four, Prince Markov, right, who's like the king of Markovia, yeah. to want his revenge. And he thinks to himself, I can't take out the people who took over my country. Like, what I can do, though, is take, have another force try to take out them, because he has a lot of power, and so that's Deathstroke, right? So he tries to get Deathstroke and Talia at each other in an effort to... To, to try to reclaim Markovia. And I like this story. I think it makes a lot of sense. The problem is, a lot of this conversation and lore about why Geoforce is anger at Talia has occurred in obscure comics that really shouldn't have a ton of long-term meaning. Agreed. You know? And so the fact that there is significant long-term meaning from those comics that no one read, except for, like, me and people who read everything, are, like confused about this very geoforce like being very against um very very against like um little italia you know mm-hmm. um but i like i like it i think it's a cool reference it makes a lot of sense and i came out of it being like oh yeah and then but I did then have to double check that it was correct about my markovia leviathan stuff but um but i think that i think it was just like the lore was a little obscure but there's some good stuff in here, um, whether from the Demon Neza. Um, I feel like Respawn's not actually dead. Um, well, no, but, you know, I really like the issue. true. Like, it's got to happen. <laughs> true. <laughs> His name literally is Respawn. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it, it does bring up his healing factor and how it's, it's, it's actually getting in the way rather than helping. And, I mean, me personally, I, I'm buying a hook, like, hook, line, and sinker that Deathstroke uh, lost his second kid. Um, I just, I don't see a purpose in bringing him back. It, it would detract from the story. I don't know. I think, like, he's the kind of, like, Deathstroke legacy character that could be really interesting. Yeah. You know? Oh, I don't I doubt it, that. I love like the character. Losing Rod Respawn here could be, like, a huge loss in terms of, like, interesting storytelling. Like, for what I got of Respawn, it was cool. And it would be really disappointing for that to be the end of his journey, you know? Uh, I'm not arguing with you there. You know, and I have to think that, like, some sort of truce between Deathstroke and Talia could look like bringing Respawn back from the dead. Saying, hey, we literally just let Respawn die twice to, 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 like, the Pit of Lazarus, like death tournament right we can bring him back one final time for you you know it's like a treaty or like truce right um but i think there's a couple of things in this issue that are interesting that these like set of issues that are really interesting to talk about um i know we've talked earlier this today about sort of like damien's death spiral of grief 
But there's this moment, of course, where, like, Batman and Damien are really at odds. Like, they're getting further and further apart, even as there was moments of, like, where, like, they could have come closer together. I know Bruce has been very hesitant to even be fatherly to Damien. And at this point, he's now back, you know, he's, like, sort of fully reassumed the, like, fatherly role. He's now being like, oh, you're just a kid. Like, this is too much dangerous for you. Ignoring a lot of Damien's progress. And I think it's doing a lot of irreparable damage to Damien's relationship with Bruce. And in some ways, I really like it because I think it, like, reflects a lot of, like, fatherly relationships, you know? Where it's, like, Bruce is very macho, unemotional person who obviously suffers a lot of emotions, but he does so in a very, like, closed-off way. And I think it makes people like Damien who aren't necessarily the most empathetic people in the world, but when they're dealing with a lot of grief and, like, emotions, they feel very unloved and unsupported. And I think there's a lot of, like, really great content with how, like, the Damien-Bruce relationship has been written. And I think it feels really natural. And I really like that. Um, I do have a couple of things that I'm a little hesitant on. Um, one is Geoforce fully the final villain. And if he is, is he working for or influenced by the Legion of Doom? Because we know at the end of one of the Deathstroke issues from the Preludes that, like, the Legion of Doom is back and they're working behind the scenes. And they say, oh, we're a little worried about Deathstroke, but we know what's about to happen. So we're going to hold off on doing anything more. Um, so you have to. So do you think Geoforce knows about the Legion of Doom and is, like, been given, t- like, resources by them? Do you think he's kind of on his own? Where do you guys think like this Geo Four story is going? Well, honestly, um, <laughs> I mean, when it comes to this 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 book in general, man, I'm like, oh, Deathstroke is dead. I wonder for how long. Now, Respawn, on the other hand, I don't think that they're going to bring back. I wish that they would, but I just don't think they will. Um, I think that it's a heartbreaking panel where Robin finds out about Respawn. But as far as it being Geoforce, I mean, they could work in the Legion of Doom. Anything could literally happen with that part. But there, I feel like Geoforce was a poor choice as a character reveal. And that's because, I mean, we saw him stand toe-to-toe for at least a little while with quite a few different people that Geoforce should have got his ass handed to him by. And um, to bring in somebody like you had mentioned from from titles that not only did not do well but i mean because of that i mean you know the reason for that being not very many people read them that i just it doesn't make any sense to me i think that this was just a really poor decision all the way around uh the reveal was really lackluster um honestly i have i'm I'm holding out pretty much zero hope that the next issue makes this redeemable at all the art is fantastic really? you're that low on this yeah i i just don't i do not like it whatsoever um the art again i think it's fantastic but this did not impress me the 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 it had it had some good moments in it but the rest felt kind of average and then to have the reveal be geoforce though it does make sense it doesn't make sense for him to be showing up now at least not in such a such a major storyline that is redefining batman's world um it doesn't make sense for me for the villain to be geoforce at all 
I, I, I could see. Like, yeah. Um, as for Geoforce, like it is not a character I ever expected, but the more I think about it, the more I kind of see where he's going with it. Um, because like I said, I completely forgot that uh, Leviathan owned Markovia, so that connection was completely lost to me when I first saw that it was Geoforce. Like, what the hell? This is about Terra? Like that was. It was three decades ago. I, I thought he was over it, and I thought he, he came to terms with all that stuff. Like, why were we still talking about this? But then all that other stuff happened, and then, you know, Batman was also part of the Outsiders. So Geoforce has those connections with all the characters and players involved. Minus Damien, but that's neither here nor there. Damien's involved because his grandfather was killed. So I could see where Williamson's going with Geoforce. Do I think it's a bit of a lackluster reveal still? Yeah. Uh, am I against it? Not yet. I think we, we got to see where the Omega issue is going to take this to really figure out what's going to happen. Um, but again, I've said it before, Williamson's not great with endings. The, the bulk of the story can be fun and interesting, but the ending is just kind of fizzles out. And I feel like we might be getting that again. I hope not, because this has been an interesting story so far. And I... I Honestly, I'm a fan of Geoforce as a character, so I do hope that this ends well, but I don't think it will. Also, the the costume reveal was kind of weird. Was he really wearing his Geoforce costume underneath the Destro costume the entire time? That must have been hot. Yes, he yes, must he be was. sweaty really, as hell. Really sweaty. You know, like, how is his hair like, look that powers. good with the full face mask? I don't get it. <sighs> yeah. I will say yeah. this, like, I'm a little surprised that you that you guys are not as high on the series, because I really think it's been pretty good. Um, it has think, been, right yeah, up no, until I, this I mean, issue. I've story. loved every issue well, of Robin. Well, and, like, yeah. so Just, I, was, I definitely think this issue was a little bit of a... <laughs> that's, that's what we, we were... We've yeah. been teased by Williamson before with great stories in the bulk, and then, like, almost every issue we had, every story we had with Flash ended poorly. And we've seen it too many times to really think it's, this is going to be any different. Yep. I think there's something to be said about, like, the war between Talia and Deathstroke, in a sense, ending, right? Like, the idea that Talia wins, like, the whole premise that this, this is a war, like, there's going to be a winner. And Talia wins this war, you know? I think it comes Maybe. now. Well, I mean, like, Talia kills Deathstroke, right? So, in a sense, the war has been won. It's just a matter now of, like, the Geoforce. And then eventually, probably Deathstroke will come back, right? But I don't know. I think there's something kind of cool about this, like, big fight ending. And, like, the fact that Deathstroke and Talia really do get to fight it out. And it's not just, oh, uh, Batman stopped it. Like, I'm so used to this, like, premise of, oh, me versus you, and now we're together. Which is the common trope. And it's cool to see the me versus you fight end definitively. And then have sort of the outside threat come in um, with Geoforce, even as we knew that there that there was an outside threat all along. And I really like this issue, and I don't quite understand why you guys don't. But like, I had fun, and I'm excited for the finale, and I really hope it sticks the landing because I think there's a lot of potential here. But I do get where like the Geoforce thing caught you guys a little off. Uh, I, I I enjoyed the issue. If you're, if you're thinking I didn't, like I, I'm definitely enjoying the issue. I just I don't know where it's going. Is the problem? 
I mean, I'm just... more talking about Josh's, not like oh, okay, fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I just, you know, the fight scenes, I, I feel like they, they could have been more. It could have been more of that. Um, it could have been more of that and, and better done, I suppose. Um, and to I, I guess having having everything capped off with something that just threw me for such a loop when there were I feel like so many other alternatives out there rather than pulling in story arcs that nobody read um it just it really 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 let me down like like I am seriously bummed out about the way that I feel about Robin number 14 because of how much of a letdown the whole thing was for me. Yeah, the the whole thing, dude, I have raved about it. Even and I'm not one who likes side cut issues where like for example where Robin went and learned how to party. I fucking love that issue. Um but this one, you know, 13 amazing books to lead to this one just it it really bummed me out, man. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I just feel like there could have been better decisions made there. Yeah. I, and, I mean, honestly, I could just, could Geo like Force one. stand toe to toe with Batman without using his powers? I mean, honestly, okay, I don't think he has so. powers. Like, like that's kind of absurd. Can Superman stand toe to toe without with Batman without using his powers? Like, no one asked. Like, that's kind of an absurd question. And still, Superman can't go to toe Batman even with using his powers. Like, we've seen that. <laughs> I'm Pat God. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, like, I, I, again, I'm not against Geoforce because the pick I had is even worse. <laughs> Grant Wilson, even I knew that was a stupid idea. But, so, that's, uh-uh. that's why I'm not against That would have been perfect. But how would but, it have um, happened? Like there's there's yeah. so much story to tell that and you're just like oh another resurrection like I even I thought it was stupid but I, I would have been cool to see <laughs> I, I'm all for Grant Wilson coming back but it's gotta make sense and this might not have been the story to do it so just because of my own expectations I'm all for GeoForce for now I've kind of put myself in that doghouse. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping um, Omega picks this up and wraps it up good. So I, yeah. this one I gotta give a six point two five. Uh, if I didn't give for Deathstroke, I gave a 7.5. For Robin, I gave an 8. Um, does feel a little low, but it's the penultimate issue, so I, I will see how it ends. I'm at an 8 for both issues now, because I don't remember which is which, so I'm just calling them both an 8. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Alright. So that wraps up our reviews for the week, and it's time to look at our top three and favorite moment of the week if you had one. Uh, Nathan, you want to kick us off? Uh, my favorite moment of the week. Um, I hadn't really thought about it. I forgot you guys do this. Um, come back to me in a second. Let me just think through stuff. All right, Josh, you want to kick us off? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, my top three... Uh... In order, I'm going to give uh, number three to Deathstroke, Inc. I thought that was a fantastic issue that led into... I'm glad I read it before I read Robin. Um, number two, I'm going to give the Swamp Thing. Uh, again, that's just... It's it's an amazing book. Every issue is awesome, and I, I can't wait to get more and more and more. 
but my number one spot had to go to Action Comics this week. It was just done so well, and I'm just, I have this overwhelming, over, overwhelming feeling that I'm going to love the ending of this arc. And I, I can't remember the last time I said that, and I don't know that I ever have said that. Um, but I, I just have, I, I have nothing but high hopes for this. And I, I won't, I, I 100% believe that those hopes are, are justified. I'm going to be so heartbroken if I'm wrong, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Superman or I actually comics for number one. And then, uh, my favorite part, my favorite moment is actually in Aquaman, uh, where, uh, Jackson whoops the hell out of scavenger. Uh, taking down a dude that Aquaman, Manta, and Batwoman combined could not beat together. I mean, he's a bad mother. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Shut. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, okay. I'm trying to remember the rest of that now. song okay. now. <laughs> Earworm. So cool I've cat. got. My uh, number three is Batman Fortress number one. I like it. I think it has a lot of potential. And I think it was a fun what-if story. Um, Action Comics um, is my next choice. Obviously, it's really good. Um, But I feel like in terms of action, it was a little lackluster. Um, And then Swamp Thing, finally. um, uh, It's rang all the right bells. I think it's a continuation of a really good story. I know if anybody does any math or whatever, my numbers don't add up and what my top story and my bottom story is. Um, on this list, but like I like I think Swamp Thing was pretty consistent, and I think I'm gonna think more fondly about that than the other two, even though I really liked them. Um, and then for my favorite moment of the week, I think it's Robin finding out about Respawn, and then the then the interaction between Bruce and him afterwards. I think it just feels very real, and I really yeah. enjoyed it. So that's that I'm at. that panel, that panel of when Robin finds out. Um, it's not overdone. It doesn't even show him crying. It's just that that one panel of the look of shock and disbelief on his face did mm-hmm. a whole lot for that book. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, as for me, at number three, I had Beyond the White Knight. Uh, if you're a Batman Beyond fan, you know what I'm talking about. Just digging it. Uh, number two, I had Aquaman, but it, oh god, uh, I had Aquaman, but it doesn't quite feel right. So I'm gonna give it to the Swamp Thing because that does feel right. I I, I did put Aquaman before, and I just didn't feel right doing it. it. It's not that I'm hating it; it's a fun book, but I think Swamp Thing deserves a spot a bit more. And number one leaves me with Action Comics. I, I, again, I could just go on and on about that book. Uh, and favorite moments, I was honestly Jason getting spooked by Cass in Task Force said it's that was I pretty good. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. Like fucking hell, what the hell? Where did you come from? Like, <laughs> uh, <that's good. laughs> yeah. All right, so that was our favorite part, but now it's time for your favorite part. It's the biggest, the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Indeed it is. Yeah, it is gross. So, what uh, made your stink list this week, guys? Um, I don't think it's a, a surprise at all. Uh, my notes here are, Robin, what the fuck was that? 
Oh, really? And yeah. you guys? Shit, really? Robin, I pick. thought for sure it would what? have been uh, something else. <laughs> what? Be it was, it's it's <laughs> there TTV. because I... TT, uh, it, well, I mean, I scored it the same score as TTA, and Robin worked its way onto the biggest stinker list because I wanted so much from it, and I felt so let down. So I think, I think, subjectively, I think that that's that makes it exactly where it needs to be. All right, fair enough. Well, I think for me, the worst issue. I'm debating between two. Um, I'm debating between Aquaman number four and um, Task Force Z, and I guess I, I'm also debating a little bit with the Harley Quinn book. Um, I know we haven't really talked about it, but it really was not bad. Uh, but also, that's about the best I can say for it. Um, I'm looking forward to the event, but the verdict storyline hasn't been incredible. Um, but I think I'm going to land on Task Force Z. I don't understand why you guys are so high on this book. Um, the Dr. Bloom stuff or whatever his name is is really weird doesn't really make much sense and I constantly just forget what this book is about um, it's about I zombies. think it's a mess obviously but like <laughs> there are better DC zombie books including one called Deceased so I don't I know why we need this I'm zombie book because it's, it's doing something with Two-Face that isn't just like here make a choice Like he's, he's doing yeah, something Two-Face is so like like I don't know, he did nothing in this issue. And, like, they've, like, upended, like, the structure of the comic with now, like, the different, like, sex, like, cells. And it's just such a mess. Um, and I really think it's going to all fizzle out in the end. And I don't have any faith in the series. So, for me, that's the worst book. But Fair enough. I could also give it to Aquaman number four without being too disappointed. Now, we, we all three of us are all over the place this week with our biggest stinker I'm, I'm quite surprised uh i had a feeling we were all gonna have different i knew you guys were gonna have a different one for me because even i'm surprised at this one normally i would have given it to tta and i feel like i would have given it to harley quinn if i was checking that book out right now um but i will reserve judgment on harley quinn until i catch up uh for this week though it's not tta uh and honestly it's more of indigestion over stinker for me it's DC versus Vampires Hunters. It just feel, felt really out of place as a one-shot. I felt like we really didn't need it. And it could have just been blended in with the overall story. And, and it just felt like a cash grab for a one-shot. I don't know. I'm Agreed. really digging all of DC versus Vampires, but this just felt out of place. I don't know. So that that's my stinker for this week. I can't believe okay. You're breaking my heart, Ra. <laughs> hey, we're we're actually all three of us all over the place with our stink lists. I love it. <laughs> Normally, we're all in agreement, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it is a bit different. Mm-hmm. And that's our show. So remember, you can help support the show by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcast for just a dollar a month. Get your name shattered out on one of the podcasts of your choice, access to all of our material, and more. And as always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Be good to yourself. And I mean that, like, seriously. I know it's yeah, been a rough definitely. Uh, week, so take care. Don't be a girl on Twitter. And <laughs> don't be a girl.